Are you happy in your business? Now, I have had my share of emotional ups and downs in my 20 years of being a solo entrepreneur coach. And the patterns I've seen in myself and in my clients is that those downs are usually when I was personally feeling unfulfilled. Sometimes it was because a launch that flopped and sometimes it was just life and had nothing to do with business. But those ups, oh boy, those are the times when I was feeling my most authentic and completely aligned to my purpose or when I just felt like I was rocking that work-life balance. I would be thinking, I could do this all day long and never feel tired. One of my loves is sharing what works for me and what has been working for my clients to achieve this very feeling, full of passion, happiness, peace, and freedom. So I decided to create a private podcast for coaches. Maybe you just want to develop better communication skills that boosts engagement, leads to better results, and makes you feel like you're actually making a difference in the lives of the people you serve. Then you're invited too. We talk about this and more in the UBU private podcast for coaches. Whether you're a mentor, a parent, or run a client-focused business, coaching skills benefit everyone and anyone who wants to communicate in a way that builds relationships. Fall in love with your life and business again. Click the link in the show notes for your invitation to join us right now. Then come back and enjoy this episode. Hey there, Difference Maker, and welcome to Season 2 of the Unbox Your Personality podcast. This season is dedicated to guiding you and supplementing my new book that's called The Secret to Being You, Using Brain Science and the Nine Acknowledgement Languages to Unbox Your Enneagram. You're going to see how my own approach to the Enneagram is different than the mainstream, but much more effective for doing the work to unbox yourself. Instead of finding yourself stuck in a profile description that might make you feel uncomfortable or insecure or inauthentic, you're going to learn to accept and love all the many parts of you that fit together and heal you and make you feel more whole. Now, every week during this season, I'm going to have a guest co-host from the podcast that you already love. They're going to come sit down with me and discuss topics from the book and how they have implemented unboxing themselves into their lives. And because of that, they have become better leaders in business, in the classroom, at home, as parents, or role models to those they mentor. Now, you first met today's guest in chapter two of my book, my hubby. And no, it's not the blind date guy. It's time to stop comparing yourself to others and plug in to what is uniquely you. Welcome to Unbox Your Personality, the podcast for coaches, parents, and mentors like you who understand that your happiness makes you more effective at what you do bringing out the best in others. I'm Jen Higgins, personality strategist and Enneagram fluff remover. Get laser focused on who you are and who you aren't, so you're free to make the impact you were born to make. And have fun doing it. Your personality is your business, so let's get down to business. 
So today I'm here with my husband, Terry Higgins. Hi. And we're going to be talking about the Enneagram and our marriage. It might be spilling some tea. I'm not really sure. We don't have a script or anything. So this could get interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> so um, why don't you tell us, tell the listeners a little bit about who you are. Who am I? Well, <laughs> that actually is the big question, right? <laughs> that is the big question. Um, I am an lecturer at a university where I teach statistics and um, those types of classes. I have education in statistics and some other science degrees. So um, I like to not claim I'm a math and, and science nerd, but a math and science geek, I guess you could say. Um, I'm also a long distance runner, which means that I like running marathons for fun. Um, that, you like doing math for fun. <laughs> well, that's true, but that's, that's the secret, right? Um, so, you know, who am I? Um, you know, I'm the father of our two children. And our dog, Kimba. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's like, who am I? That's like such a loaded question. Um, where to start on that? That's really like tough. Because wouldn't you want to start with certain things at certain times for certain people? So I guess my first question is when your crazy wife is always asking you, Here's another personality test, Terry. <laughs> take this. I'm not even asking you. I'm just telling you. Like, here, take this. Take this. Like, what has been your experience uh, with going through all those personality tests? Well, there's, there's a lot. There's uh, of all these personality tests. And I just have to say that, you know, a lot of them are just like, I don't know. If I take them in the morning, I'm these combinations of, of things and if I take it at work on these combinations of stuff so it's like well what really is my personality is it always changing because these tests are supposed to like nail you down and it's like well this one sounds like me and this one sounds like me and this one sounds like me and this one sounds like me so which one am I and so you know it's like oh here's another test Okay, whatever. I'll I'll take it and fill it out and add to add to it. Add to the file. Add to the file, right? To go back and say, hey, look at this. Back when such and such, I was an introvert, but now I'm an extrovert. I don't know. That is true. You switched that direction. I switched the other direction. First time I took that one that you're talking about, it put me as the extrovert when actually I'm more of an introvert. Yeah, it's it's. So it makes it it makes it strange because then you know there's there's people that don't believe you. They're like, "Hey, I, I need to go be by myself, or I need to have other people because well, you're this or that." So you know the the whole personality things was was like I, I don't even remember some of the other ones like DISC. I was like, I can't remember. I think he switched on that one quite a bit. Which is kind of ironic when you think about your Enneagram type. <laughs> so it's, 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 it's weird because it's like, there's certain things that I, yeah, 
that I would I would tend to I would tend to switch. But I that I don't know. All right. Well, so tell the listeners what Enneagram type you are, and that part of the conversation will make a little bit more sense. So I am a solid nine. <laughs> I have tried. Are you to, sure? <laughs> yes. Because with all those other personality tests, I tried to break them and it seemed to work, right? Because, oh, I was like, hey, I like this character that is a INFQG whatever. It was Snape, right? It was Snape. And, you know, for Harry Potter, I was like, oh, but I want to be Lupin or I want to be such and such. And it's like, oh, well, I can write myself into that. Like, Mm -hmm. and so when it came to the Enneagram, which was, hey, yet another personality test. I was like, okay. So I was like, all right, well, it's a nine. I was like, well, it can't be. How can I break it? And so we worked at thinking I was a three. Um, And that went on for a while. And so I was legitimately believing that I was a three and that I was doing the three things. And then all of a sudden... It didn't really fit. <laughs> we can see you. <laughs> yes, we're recording. <laughs> was it obvious that I was looking? Yeah. Anyway, um, so you were talking about, you believe you were mistyped as a three. I was typed as a nine, but it didn't necessarily fit and Three was also one of the numbers, so I tried on the three cape. So why did you believe that nine wasn't a fit? It just didn't seem right because you typically don't have nines as marathon runners. They're supposed to be couch potatoes, and they're supposed to take naps, and I don't take naps. I'm constantly moving. Right. I'm constantly wanting to do something. So the nine seemed like it wasn't 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 correct. Um, And so it was, well, let's try on the three cape and see how that fit. And while that seemed to explain some of the behaviors it never really, it never really fit. So like the one thing that I really remember was, you know, the three will do stuff so that they don't look bad. And that fit for about five seconds. I avoided things because I didn't want to look bad, but then I was like, eh, whatever. And then it was like, I would just do whatever it was that made me look bad. And I didn't think anything of it. Like afterwards, like it wasn't like, oh, well, that's, that's just, that's just what happened. And so that did not fit well. That was actually, was more of a, well, what about the nine? And then when looking at the motivations of the nine, that really started to explain why or what I was thinking at the time on why I acted a particular way. For example. 
Okay, so my big thing as a nine is impact, either for me or for other people, more than likely avoid impact of other people because that's going to impact me. Define an impact. So the best way that I can say say it is I want to be, I tend to want to be in a steady state. For example, you're driving a car and it's moving 60 miles an hour on the interstate. And for all practical purposes, I want to continue at 60 miles an hour traveling in the same direction. An impact is when either the speed changes or the directions change. And it's not necessarily that it's a bad thing because life happens and you do have to take exits. The problem is, is that it's the effort in making any type of direction change or any type of speed. It's like, oh, I got to slow down. All right. I need to prep myself to slow down. And so that prep work is, is kind of what I would call the impact. And so that impact was a very bodily um, reaction of mine. So um, just to, um, I love the way you explained that, even though you didn't use the word inertia, were you thinking it? Well, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, because that is the mindset of, of the type nine is inertia of, I want to stay at a steady steady pace and a steady rate. And the vision that I, I'm remembering of is when you're running, how you will dodge people. Like if you're running on campus, for example, you will dodge people and how it makes as the person who might be in your way <laughs> and being dodged, seeing someone come at you at a 5k pace and not ever slowing down. And then at the last minute dodging you um, is scary to me as an anxious person, you know, as, as a blue type, um, that is another indication of just wanting to stay at the same, at the same pace. So I'm glad that you defined impact because I do use that word in the book. And a lot of times people will say, Oh, I want to make an impact. Like that's, that's so important to me to make an impact, but that's not what impact really is for a red type such as yourself. Type nines, ones, and eights um, are impact-driven, but like you said, it's a bodily impact. Yes, it is definitely a, it's definitely a body impact. And sometimes it's the mental image of being impacted that will actually make the body feel impacted. Mm -hmm. So if I had to change tasks, for example, and I had to shift gears. So keeping with the car analogy, a manual transmission, okay, where there's a clutch, you would push in the clutch. And there's that little bit of time between when you push in the clutch and you move from, so let's say, second gear to third gear. You're not automatically in there. You actually have to move the gear around and then you release the, the clutch and now you're in third gear. So my body reaction was that it was it was showing and it would be like hey terry can you come here and my body would shift <sighs> as a sigh like or, that's the clutch the like size that's clutch? that's the clutch it's oh, that's interesting it's not that it's like it looks like i'm annoyed 
oh, you're stopping me from what I'm doing. And while that may be a small portion, because maybe I'm doing something I really want to do, most of that is shifting the energy from my current task to now whatever is, uh, you know, whatever this new thing is. Mm -hmm. Now, there are times where that's okay. Like I'm jumping from task to task to task to task to task, right? Being totally ineffective, but there's no, but there's no impact, right? There's that, that is minimalized. But if I'm really into something and it's almost like you're holding your breath and then you change, so you change the gears. And so that, um, sends mixed, mixed messages. Actually, the message is totally mixed because often it makes me appear to be angry, upset, exasperated, when really all I'm doing is trying to change my focus from basically what's in my head or body to now the new person and activity. So can you, because you brought up anger, and neither in the anger triad, however, <laughs> they're not very much in touch with their anger, even though it drives them from this body impact, right? So how do, how do you view your own anger? Let's say, how did you view your anger before you understood the Enneagram? And how do you view your anger now that you understand the Enneagram? Okay. So before the Enneagram... People would come up to me, very concerned, and would ask me, are you angry? Me, not being angry, but just maybe being neutral to passive? No, I'm not angry, but maybe I should be. Because I was not necessarily feeling angry, but I was projecting it um, to other people. In fact... Like two or three weeks ago, that happened. Uh, I was doing coffee and someone came up to me and said, are, are you mad? And this is where I'm doing coffee for the group of people that I like. So it's not, and it's one that I enjoy. And so this is not one where I would even remotely be mad. And I was shocked because one, it was totally out of the blue and it was totally something that I did not expect. Now, knowing after the Enneagram, I was able to understand, oh, apparently I'm exhibiting some of my nine tendencies when I am not meaning to. I'm I'm creating I'm creating a, a difference between how I'm feeling and how people are actually like looking at me and, and being in my company. And it's totally not one that I am expecting or one that I want to advertise. I don't want to advertise that I'm mad when I'm not mad. Mm -hmm. That's the perfect example of an experience gap. Yeah, that's, that is, yeah. So thankfully knowing what I knew about the Enneagram, I knew to basically check myself. I was like, okay, what's going on? If, if people are looking at me and they're saying that I'm angry, 
but I don't feel like I'm angry. And I know as a nine, I don't know when I am truly angry. It makes me time to like stop and think, well, am I really angry? What could I be angry about and be honest with myself and like, okay, well, let me think about this. Did I start doing coffee and something bad happened? Was it something about this morning? Was it something about, you know, yesterday? Like really understand, because if I don't know when I am angry, then if I'm all of a sudden thinking that I, or someone saying that I, I look angry, I, apparently I've, I'm carrying that around. And so if I can pinpoint it, then that's great because then, all right, I'm a body type, then I need to do something. I need to stomp, right? I can do something quick like stomp or do a quick squat. You know, oh, let me bend down and get something out of the cabinet so I can do a full body squat or I can do something else with my body that will help release that. And then that way I can, you know, change, change my thinking. Um, yeah, that was big difference between before knowing and the Enneagram and difference between the two. Are you feeling a bit disappointed that you haven't finished that project yet? Are the kids' schedules impacting your business? Or are the demands of your business affecting your relationships at home? Maybe you need a magic formula for that work-life balance before your fire gets so dim or it completely burns out. I've been there. There was a point in my life where I was juggling two businesses and homeschooling and had personal health issues. There was barely time to even connect with myself, much less connect with my husband. When I was finally officially diagnosed with ADHD, I felt like that explained everything. I had a new perspective and started approaching things in a new way. So I created a guide containing 20 tips that I personally use, and they have worked for me for helping me stay on course with my goals. Now, you might not have ADHD, but I bet you can relate to having a million distractions during the day. So if you're ready to stop procrastinating or stop being hard on yourself for missing yet another deadline, self-imposed or not, go ahead and download the guide at powercoachgen.com. If you just find one tip from the list that helps you move forward today, you will be so glad you took the time to read it. Go to powercoachgen.com and download the guide right now. And how do you feel like, so now we're going to get a little personal, I guess. <laughs> um, because, you know, a lot of people look at the Enneagram as this relationship tool of, you know, how can I improve my relationships? How can, you know, what are some tips for a type nine who's married to a type seven, uh, that's our dynamic in our marriage, or, you know, what, I'm a type six, who am I compatible with? And the truth is that you can be compatible with anybody, with any type. That's not what the Enneagram is actually designed for. That's not the purpose. But 
it can help your relationships. It can also have the opposite effect where it feels like it's not improving. Okay, so let me back up a little bit. The Enneagram is is not necessarily a relationship tool. It's first and foremost a survival tool. Like how how am I going to survive this world? How am I going to cope? And that's what my personality is. They're behaviors that help you cope. They help you get closer to what you want and to, to avoid what you don't want. And the Enneagram does such a good job of really navigating that for us, especially for certain types who can be out of touch with their, you know, we've been talking a little bit about non-acknowledgement languages um, with the book and everything. And, and you've brought up some of those as far as, your anger and your impact and, and your body and those kinds of things. But um, it's, it's really a survival tool first. And when we can meet those basic needs, then relationships can improve from, from there. And sometimes the relationship suffers a little bit. And, you know, Terry and I have been married for, 25 years. And I'm not going to say that it's been all unicorns and rainbows. (laughs) Absolutely not. Um, Except for when it is unicorns and rainbows, rainbows, (laughs) rainbows, rainbows. Um, Because sevens and nines are both in that positive triad. And a lot of times where we struggle is when we're both, um, not in that space of being able to spin things or be able to be optimistic because the situation is not very pretty. Um, do you want to speak on that? Yeah. So I, you know, the, the Enneagram as a relationship tool is, is it is not that directly because any relationship starts with yourself, you in this world, Right. And you're constantly saying, you know, that the Enneagram helps us say, who am I in the world? Right. So in this world, we are basically meant to survive from cradle to grave. So this this Enneagram that talks to us about our motivations and you, you put it so eloquently, what motivates us to get us what we want and to avoid what we don't want. Right. Um, if, if you look at the Maslow's um, hierarchy of needs, you know, we want to have the food and the shelter before most anything else. Right. Well, we need it. Well, that's true. That's true. We, we, we don't always it. pursue it <laughs> or we don't always have it. Right. But in terms of survival, that is what we need. There is although the you can take things out of order. It's really the best order to do that. The Enneagram, in, in my opinion, helps navigate us to understand well, what motivates us, right? Impact motivates me as a nine, okay? so Or avoiding impact. Or avoiding impact, yeah. See, you got to remember that it's avoiding what you don't want, right? So when I, when I am thinking about the relationship, the Enneagram helps me be me, helps me understand why I act a particular way with one group of people and 
act a different way with a different group of people because the needs of those groups are different. I may be wanting to avoid something like sitting through another meeting, or maybe I want to be with that particular group or a particular person. And so when I think about that, being able to understand the motivations of a nine, although it doesn't make everything unicorns and rainbows, it definitely does help understanding me. And once I understand me, that will lead to better relationships. Because if I don't understand me, I don't have boundaries. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was talking to someone a couple years ago and they were like, well, you got to need boundaries because you got to know where you end and the other person begins. And I'm like, oh, yeah. But it's something that a type nine will struggle with. Struggle with, right, yeah. Because, because of that fusion, that merging. And, and you know, sometimes that merging that happens is unconscious. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, you've agreed to do whatever because you're so on board with what the other person was saying. You're nodding in agreement, but that's only because you're, you've merged with them. Not because it's like a core value of yours. Right. It's like, oh, hey, I'm, I, I'm totally on board with what you are saying. Do I want to do it? No, not necessarily. But the interpretation on the other party is, oh, man, Terry's like so, you know, so ready to go on, on this. You know, he believes in X, Y, and Z, where I like X, Y, and Z, um, and I would support X, Y, and Z, but I'm not as passionate about it as X, Y, and Z. And so, you know, that, that merging. Even though the passion was, ref- the other person's passion was reflected in your energy. In my energy, right. Yeah. Um, That's that energy chameleon, right? It, yes. I will, in the, in the past, I would always think about certain people. About, hey, when I am in certain people's company, I am, acting like them. Um, like for example, um, so I have this friend, Tom, who really liked to be obnoxious and have a good time. And he would do crazy stuff. And I would find myself being all excited about doing the crazy stuff with him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I would try to do the crazy stuff on my own, it didn't fly. I could do the crazy stuff and match his energy, but when I did it on myself, it either came across inappropriately because it was maybe, maybe it just wasn't authentic Mm -hmm. because it's not necessarily me. But when I was with his, in his company, it felt like it was me. But in other situations where, you know, I'm, I'm with someone who is a much quieter um, temperament, I tend to match that. And I'll, let, me, let me tell you, that, that doesn't, it's one of those positive negative things, mm-hmm. right? Because someone who is, you know, feeling bad and you're feeling bad for them, but you have this positive thought, it's like, mm, I'm, I'm 
urging with the energy. <laughs> and I, I find myself, although I'm like, hey, the sun will always shine after a rainstorm. And it just doesn't, it doesn't come across because of, you know, the, the, of the, yeah, the, the, the boundary's not there. I'm, I'm, I, I, although I will say that sometime recently I set a boundary. Um, I was like, well, I was just being snarky because I was setting a clear boundary and I thought I was being quote unquote rude. Was this the dishwasher thing? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. I couldn't remember exactly when it was, but I was like, well, I was just being snarky. Okay. Let's do the backstory okay. because this story is actually about me and Terry. <laughs> okay. You can tell the story. Well, all, well, all I remember, I don't remember what it was about the dishwasher. What was it? But I said something like, because that's what you're supposed to do. I, yeah. Maybe I should have told the story, but I don't really remember it. But I remember like you did set a boundary. You thought you were being snarky and I didn't see it. as Oh, right. I think I, okay. Yeah. I had to do something with the dishwasher and my comment back was what I was just being snarky, but you were like, Hey, that's a boundary. And it's like, that was, that was good. And I was surprised. I was genuinely surprised because being so used to fusing and not wanting to create strife, but trying to create peace and harmony. If I'm reacting in a snarky way, that's actually me thinking of creating impact because whatever the other impact I was subconsciously thinking, being snarky was the less impactful thing to mm. do. So that's why I did it. And I wish I could remember exactly what it was. I think it was, I did not want to change what I was doing. So I made that snarky comment so that you would do it so that I could keep doing what I was doing. doing because I, I wish we could remember the context of the story. <laughs> because what am I, as a nine, is it not true that when someone says, hey, dad, can you do the laundry? <laughs> I am all about, okay, well, let me just fit the laundry in. Yeah. Because it's always I, an automatic yes without actually thinking about how it's going to impact you because that's easier than uh, having the conflict of like, well, how are they going to react if I say no? Right. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up the whole energy thing um, because the image that I have in my head of, you know, why type nines merge is because the anger that's repressed is burning their energy. And so they have to plug into other people like that. They're the battery pack. And when they plug into them, then they, they can match the energy so well. You know, you said it's like a blessing and a curse. It really is the superpower. Like the type nines are the ones who can understand and empathize with other people. As long as they're, they're in the average to healthy space, they can empathize with other people and understand their perspective and understand where they're coming from because they're plugged in. And this is how type nines can bring people together because of being able to create that kind of harmony. But in the average to unhealthy 
space, it can, it can be, how would you finish that sentence? Oh, <laughs> it creates tension. Instead of bringing people together, it creates, I, I'm thinking of abrasion and sandpaper. Because you can bring sandpaper together, but it's very rough. It's not, yeah, exactly. I guess when when you're trying to avoid conflict, it's like you can, you don't necessarily want to be in the same room with oil and vinegar, right? And so it's it's the withdrawing. So type nines withdraw, sometimes physically withdraw. Um, mentally withdraw. And a lot of times what that looks like to other people, that experience gap, not just the experience gap with the anger, but also experience gap with neglect. And for me as the wife of a type nine, having to reframe that, fortunately I'm a seven and I'm great at reframing, (laughs) but having to reframe that and not take that personally and like, oh, he's not um, neglecting me. He's, He's withdrawing to do whatever it is that you're doing. Like maybe it's to um, do a task that's going to solve the problem. Maybe it's going to. uh, Well, I, you know, it, it sometimes could be taking time to, to think about what action is going to be best. Right. Because, because what happens is, is if there is conflict, then it's a, what about this? What about this? What about this? That right? would be the type nine going to the type six, it would right? Be the type six, and overthinking because it's, it's like overthinking, and and it's not in a good way. Planning for the worst case scenario, it's basically putting yourself. Okay, the worst this worst case scenario is happening now. Okay, but avoid, this, avoid, 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 that. avoid. Right now, <laughs> and now this worst case scenario is happening, and when that's happening, when the nine is, you know, slow paced processing that in the moment looks like a deer in headlights. It looks like, oh, well, he's checked out. Well, it's, yes, he's checked out, but it's more, but there's a reason for that. And so, you know, without knowing that about the Enneagram, you know, it would be like, oh, well, he just doesn't care. You know, he's, he's checking out. So, um, so yes to checking out, but not yes to, unfeeling or to unfeeling or not coming up with a solution thinking yeah right um you know i i know for me one of the more difficult part is that well the timeliness of that um you know is not always on the same timeline as what other people would like it to be and and that's true i think that's something that Probably um, the acknowledgement language that really helped us with our communication was the pace style. Understanding that I'm fast paced and that you're slow paced and noticing that I'm getting annoyed because you couldn't keep up. And you could keep up intellectually, but it was a slower process. like the evidence of the processing was slower to surface. It was happening under the surface. But one of the things is like, oh, I would have, me pretending to be you, I would have considered myself fast paced because to you, you're constantly thinking, your gears are constantly moving. But 
to those of us who are experiencing you, we're not seeing the evidence of those gears moving. It's it's in secret, right? Right. Yeah. And so one of the things of, of just really understanding that pay style, that when I have idea after idea after idea, you having to process that is sometimes can create like a shutdown. And what I have personally learned is to say, here's an idea. Now go away and go think about it. Like right. go do something and go think about it and then come back. And I think that a lot of times has, has helped when I haven't demanded an, an answer right away. And, and that helps so much because, hey, go do something and think about it. Right. So I am doing something in my body, but I'm also processing it. Probably one of the biggest things that I had to come to grips with was that slow paced does not mean that I am broken in any way. Because as a runner, you have fast-paced people who win stuff and you have slow-paced people that don't. So coming to grips with that slow-paced is totally okay. Embracing that, saying, hey, because I'm slow-paced, I won't miss things. Mm-hmm. I'll be less likely to miss things. I'll be able to think things through. When I am trying to be fast-paced, something is uttered and, oh, I'm going to be fast-paced and I am just going to react to whatever is said. And I realize that I will do this with most people, like in general, if I'm not conscious of it. Mm -hmm. And for the longest time, I did not want to be slow-paced. And I was even using the slow-paced card. Well, I'm just slow-paced. Right. Well, you're going to have to wait on me because I'm slow paced. But it's not that it's a bad thing. It's just different. And once I came to grips with, okay, I'm slow paced, that did help relationships with other people, coworkers and family. And I'm, I'm glad that you said that you resisted because that is another nine. <laughs> that is another nine word is the resistance. But sometimes, so fast pace and slow pace, that's my vocabulary with the nine acknowledgement languages, right? And sometimes we just have to redefine what that means with vocabulary that's comfortable to us. So, for example, um, instead of slow paced, you might use the word steady, that I'm steady. I know a lot of times whenever I talk about you being slow paced versus my fast pace is like you ground me, like you let me not get ahead of myself um, because of that steadfastness. Uh, and then again with anger, right? Oh. Like you would resist anger a lot. And then when, what was the word that we chose? So it was, so anger, who wants to be angry, right? Other than type eights. <laughs> You, you know, typically you do not want to be angry because that's deemed as, well, at least from my opinion, an unwanted type of, I don't want, I don't want anger. I want joy, right? I want to be happy. So why would I be angry? And now you're telling me that I'm, I'm angry and I don't even know it. I'm a ticking time bomb, right? How does that make you feel? Well, (laughs) 
I I totally understand the ticking time bomb. I would explode and feel a thousand times better, right? But I did not want to be angry. I did not want to be the angry person, right? I did not want to, I don't want to become the, the you know, angry old man. Get off my porch, you kids, right? But the anger is a continuum, right? So we use the word bothered, right? And then that way, if I was only a little bit angry, well, I was never really a little bit angry, right? But if something was impacting me, I could say that I'm bothered by it. And that translated much better, Mm -hmm. right? Because you can say, I'm bothered by that, or I'm bothered by that. But you can't say, I'm angry about that, or I'm angry about that, because angry is on one, you know, has its own, it's like pie, right? It's its own thing. You don't substitute it in for other, other things, but bothered works. And so by changing the vocabulary Mm -hmm. of being bothered, and when you're out in public, that angers me. That, that might not be the emotion that you really want to advertise, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it, I think for type nines, it gives, if, if that, if bothered for other type nines that are listening to this, if the word bothered sits better with you than the word anger um, or even type ones, if that sits better with you, then by all means, change it. Like however you can get in touch with your own feelings and be able to own those, then change the vocabulary. It's like for me as a type seven, I'm in the blue triad and I am, my emotional yardstick is fear. And I have learned to say, I think in the past it was like, I'm so excited. I'm so excited which is excitement is just another word for anxiety. Um, It's the same, physiologically, it's the same um, physiological response, excited and anxiety. And because type sevens, so we're type nines repress, type sevens suppress. And so I recognize this physiological change in my body, but I don't want to call a duck a duck. And so my strategy as a type seven is to call it out for what it is. So if something is making me nervous, then I can say it's making me nervous. But if something is genuinely making me excited and that's a positive thing and I'm not trying to escape something or I'm not trying to hide something or if I'm not trying to, you know, be cheery for the people that are around me and not be a Debbie Downer and bring everybody down, then then that's a healthy word to say, but if something is actually making me nervous, then, or anxious, then that's the vocabulary that I need to learn how to use so that, number one, I'm acknowledging the root of what's either making me choose an unhealthy choice or or staying in an average, on an average rung on my ladder, and, and being able to communicate that to other people where they can really see the authentic side of me that I am not always chipper. I'm not always up. Like I do get sad and I do get hurt and I do get depressed. And that's not something that should be um, suppressed. 
that is definitely something that needs to be addressed because once it's addressed, then I can let it go. But whenever I suppress it, much like your anger, it comes out later explosively. And a lot of times, like for a type seven who goes to a type one and stress, it becomes very, very self-critical because I don't want to be the Debbie Downer. You know, I don't want to be the one um, who's bringing people down. I want to cheer people up. I want people to be happy and content and draw silver linings on everything. So um, whatever type you are, if you're reading the book and you come across vocabulary in the non-acknowledgement languages or even in the um the mindsets and the fixations uh, that's listed for your type, if those don't sit well, because they're not super attractive, like our average behaviors are not super attractive. Um, they're just average, but they're not healthy, but they're not unhealthy either. Just substitute the vocabulary for a synonym uh, if, if those words um, don't sit well with you. This seems like a good place to stop for now as an introduction for the rest of season two of the podcast. If vocabulary has got you a little lost, no sweat, just send me a DM on Instagram with your questions at powercoachjen or grab a copy of my book at go.unboxenneagram.com forward slash book. I will link it in the show notes as well. Now, even though I said the Enneagram is not a relationship tool, I called it a survival tool instead. There are definitely strategies that can help you be more skillful at navigating those times when, heck, you just don't feel like being the bigger person. Have you ever thought, am I the only non-idiot around here? Or why am I always the one that's compromising in this relationship? Well, the tactics I teach in the Nine Acknowledgement Languages course will help you communicate to build relationships, even when you don't know the other person's Enneagram type, and more importantly, without losing who you are at your core in the process. I'm in the studio right now re-recording the videos into bite-sized lessons so that you don't get overwhelmed. You'll get a comprehensive education about finding your true Enneagram type using the nine acknowledgement languages plus nine communication tactics that not only allow you to stay true to yourself, but also validate and acknowledge others so everyone can feel seen and heard. Plus, I'm adding a group coaching option if you would like a little extra hand-holding and accountability while you do the work. This is all kicking off in February 2022 at the grand opening of Unbox University. Now that's next month, at the time of this recording at least. Go ahead and go to go.unboxenneagram.com slash grand to get on the wait list and receive the early bird offer that's going to save you $100. And just so you know, there are a limited number of spots for this group coaching option, so it will not be publicly advertised. Only you on the wait list are going to be receiving a link to join the group. I can't wait to help you unbox yourself so you can unleash your power. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and reviewing the Unbox Your Personality podcast. To learn more about yourself, go to powercoachgen.com. Find out how you are different so you can make your difference.